named our podcast the World Class Agency Podcast, not because we thought we were world class, but because we try and get closer to it every conversation that we have. What does World Class Estate Agency look like to you? World Class Estate Agency is all about people. The good estate agents add, adds an incredible amount of value to the consumer. He's, he's looking after the customer properly, so being approachable, being accessible. And for me, every day's a learning day. What does being a world-class agent mean to you? Hello and welcome to today's episode of the World Class Agency Podcast. My name is Mark Oral. I'm joined by Mr. Sam Hunter. How are you, my friend? Good morning, Mark. Hello, listeners. Uh, I'm really good. Thank you. I was just saying to you, I've uh, I've like moved my work from home setup into more of an office sort of space. And I, I feel like uh, with two screens instead of just a laptop, uh, I feel infinitely more productive. And it feels like I'm actually doing some work instead of just spending half my evenings and half my days on, on Zoom calls, which is quite nice. Two screens is massive, right? In fact, funnily enough, um, one of my colleagues said to me this week, she said, told me about this two screens thing she actually had a go I was like how come you know this is like life-changing so um, mm. we're going it, can, it can double your productivity but can also double your distraction as well yeah very good uh, point so yeah. I'm very guilty of of that um, but I'm also relatively productive at some points in the day as well which is nice so yeah, speaking speaking of productivity last week we had a conversation with Perry about structure yep um, and we talked about what does an ideal week look like? How can we free ourselves up and schedule more things within our life? And you said to me on air and off air, I'm going to do that. Ask me about it next week. So did you do it? Um, better than the previous week, but nowhere near as well as I want to do it. So I've got my structure, focusing in on my structure. So I already had my structured week. It's just things come and go and do it and I messed up my structure yesterday by allowing an appointment to change and it threw out my whole day and actually that's a real source source of frustration because one of the things in the structure is start start or end the week with a preview and a review and mm-hmm. because I changed my meetings round because the client wanted to it meant I didn't get to do my preview of the week until later on in the afternoon and it threw me out a little bit um so Yes, but what I've realized over the last couple of days is I can't do that alone. I need the team to also really get on board. So one of my jobs today is to try and make sure that the team are on board because when they're booking my appointments, it's got to fall in within my structure because that's one of the things that's, that's really thrown me out. So yes, being a, I've been a lot more intentional about the structure, but no, I'm nowhere near where I want to be ultimately. Um, so that's a bit of a work in progress. I think it's always going to be a work in progress, isn't it? Uh, just at varying levels. Like yeah. one of, I've got a real advantage in terms of how I've been structured over the last nearly nine months because I'm on the other side of the world from where I am professionally, right? So yeah. I've got a really hard, and this is not, a, a, it's not every day either, but I would say four out of five days a week, I've got a hard end time because I want to go to bed. Yeah. Um, what I What I struggle with in terms of my structure is, at what point do I pick things up again the next day? Um, because I'm at my best first thing in the morning. Yeah. Uh, so I always work. I literally wake up, have a cup of coffee, play with Charlotte, do some work. And it's about making sure that that work doesn't uh, continue to the point of meeting you at five o'clock in the afternoon for a podcast <laughs> and then going into back-to-back Zoom meetings till 11.30 p.m. tonight, right? Yeah. Uh, and so that, today was a really good example of that. I, I got up at about quarter to eight uh Charlotte and I went and played outside we hung the washing out uh, and then my mum came over and I was like there you go mum I'm just gonna go do a bit of an hour's work next thing I knew it was quarter to 11 yeah. and I promised myself that I was gonna go to the gym today and my first thought was <laughs> it's pretty late mate you don't want to walk to the gym now you know just <laughs> like you could sit down you could watch the crappy Liverpool highlights or you could do whatever it is that you wanted to do uh, and I, I'm reading this book at the moment, which if anyone has ever read it, it's called The Five Second Rule. Um, and I read it maybe two years ago, I think just before just before COVID was a thing, um, because I was trying to kick my ass into running again. Like yeah. you, you and I had that really magnificent, like four or five months where we were both running, yeah. you know, 40 or 50 Ks a week. 
And I read this book and it was like, as soon as you decide you want to do something, as soon as the thought pops into your head to go and do something, you have to just five, four, three, two, one and go and yeah. do it. Um, and, and one of the, the bits in this book, uh, and I wrote it down today um, because I was listening to it and it's the only reason. So I ended up going to the gym today, but it's the only reason um, that I went was uh, because it said that um, success comes down to a simple rule. And I don't really like the word success because it means so many different things to so many different people, people right and i think if i was to write this quote i would change i would change it to progress yeah um because again it's it maybe it's a slightly bit less cliche and, and if i progress every day i'm stoked in, in whatever it is right so maybe progress comes down to a simple rule you don't have to feel like doing it you just have to do it yeah and it's a bit like in in a structured day if there's something in your diary that says call your vendors there's something in the diary that says call everybody I valued for two years ago that didn't move. If there's something in your diary that says jump on home search and send some letters, whatever it's going to be, right? You don't have to feel like doing it. You just have to do it, do it yeah. because that that action will compound over time and that structure will end up setting you free because the good news is after that bit in your structure of, of do something you don't want to do, it then says play with Zach and Leo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You and know? that's... And that's the thing, isn't it? That's actually what I was telling myself this morning when I was beating myself up a little bit without um, hitting the, the level of structure that I want. But actually, that's what I would keep telling myself. Structure will set you free. Structure will set you free. Yeah. I don't know if Perry said it last week, but it, they definitely, it was either Perry or Royster said it at the boot camp when we talked about it in depth last November. But the structure will, will set you free. And you've got to do it dead hard in this job because when the phone rings, potentially it's money. And so you've mm. got to you you you've got to you've got to be really really disciplined um, to do that. But I know that I've got to get better at the structure, and that ultimately it will then set me free to then go and play with Zach and Leah because now they're getting older and various other things. You've got less less time to work late or work early. So mm. you've, you've got to be really really disciplined. So yeah, um, but I want to talk about this each and every week and. Um, I've got a bit of a check-in page, which I'll share with you to which basically it's various things, but structure is, is, is amongst that. And maybe we'll talk about that and, and go a little bit deeper in the, in the future weeks, because cool. I think actually having your own, there's various things. We talked about accountability with Michael Bailey, you know, a long time ago, really, really good podcast mm. episode. Um, but it, it's not just necessarily one accountability measure but if you have numerous then when one falls down you're more likely to pick up, up the others so so yeah let's keep going with the with the accountability thank you i appreciate that my pleasure let's um on that note we'll talk more about accountability next week but today we have got a very big task on our hands so shall we introduce today's guest let's do it Today's guest joins us to kick off our in-depth series, well, as in-depth as this podcast can go anyway, on the relationship between agents and conveyancing solicitors and how that might be improved in the short, medium, and long term. She sat on both sides of the fence and currently heads up agent training for one of the largest conveyancing firms in the UK. She's so up for this chat, she even accepted the podcast invite at 3am after a team night out at karaoke. Zanara Henry-Dark, not Drake. Head of Agency yeah. Training at Simply Conveyancing. Welcome to the World Class Agency Podcast. Thank you, Sam and Mark. Yes, no karaoke. If anyone wants to do at me with that, then go ahead. Yeah, love karaoke. Proud <laughs> <laughs> Mary is my song. Good song. I'm, 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 I can't sing. I'm definitely not getting involved in karaoke. Um, but before we get in, before we go into solving what Sam's called the Cold War between estate agents and, and conveyances, talk us through what you yeah. think world-class estate agency looks like to use an eye? Someone that is working in partnership with all solutions. So that's just not, not just conveyancing, like all terms of solutions in terms of financial services, for surveyors, whatever it might be, I think in working with partnership with it. But if I'm honest, when we talk about world-class and what I would categorize that is, is take skill away from it so skill out the window and look about someone an agent that is willing to be coachable because there's so much I think personally there's so much of this kind of attitude of like we've always done this we've always done that this is what you know one that you said straight away was this cold war realistically there doesn't need to be a war it needs to be part it needs to be partnership together so world class for me is coachable so being able to actually take new things on 
but also working in partnership with another too. That would be my world class. I, I really strongly believe that actually selling houses is all about partnerships, not only your professional partners, as you mentioned there, but partnership between us as agents and, and the clients. But I think just to focus in on what we're going to talk about, those professional partnerships, I think a lot of agents probably underestimate how important they are and maybe don't emphasize that to their clients as, as much as they should. I think agents should have their list of professional partners and, and should talk about the importance of that with clients. But I don't think that happens particularly. Why do you think that is? I think it's both sides, if I'm honest. I do think it's both sides because um, I think it's where that both both of us don't have the good understanding of each other's processes. So a perfect example, what you said there is about, you know, talking to clients about solutions or partnerships. I think it's where, yes, you're right, they underestimate in terms of conveyancing. When I say them, I mean estate agents. Um, I think they underestimate the process, but then I think solicitors also under, underestimate the process as well. So I think it's where they both don't have the understanding of what each other's roles are. But one, one that I always like to point on that on that section is if I'm a solicitor, which obviously I work for a law firm, if I work, if I work for a law firm, when is the last time that I sat in with my partnered estate agent? Like when's the last time that I went into their office and sat with them that whole day to realize what they do in their business and understand their business. And then flip it on the other side, you know, as an estate agent, when's the last time that you took the time to understand your solution? So for example, a conveyancer that you partner with, when's the last time that you sat with them and understood their process with it too? I think it's having that kind of hands up approach to say, well, actually, yeah, I, I don't. One of, the, one of the ones that I like to talk about there is I go to a lot of estate agents, right? And bearing in mind, I was an estate agent myself who worked for Countrywide, big up Countrywide, um, in that sense. And the reason why I always talk about not understanding the process is two things. One, you will ask a valuer, tell me what's in a contract pack. So we really need a contract pack to go out. Tell me what is included in the contract pack. And it is like, come on, Luke. That they can't, they can't mm. answer. Some of them do, they try, like an awkwardness, but they don't know the answer to that question. And I think to myself, if you don't know what's in a contract pack, how can you get so aggressive about the fact that a contract pack has not been sent if you don't understand what it takes to get that from the client? Um, but then the flip side, conveyancer, when um, I've seen it multiple times where someone is chasing for memos, um, but there's no allocation of the lawyer and they won't allocate a lawyer until they get the memos from the estate agent. Well, what am I meant to put on the memos if you're not allocating a lawyer for that file? Just put anyone's name down. Well, that won't work because I'll need to send that out again when you reallocate. So yeah, they're my two examples of where process isn't understood by both sides. Why do you think, and, and I have a, 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 like an answer to this question, I think in my head, uh, but it's always dangerous answering your own questions. So, um, what I, what you've just described there is a really good example of one of my favorite sayings, which is slowing down to speed up. How many more problems could you solve if you just tools down for a second and yeah. spent four or five hours? doesn't even need to be an entire day or for some people that might be half a week. I don't know. But, but a, a meaningful amount of time with someone to say, right, how do you do what you do? And, and yeah. what does good look like for you? And what do you actually need for me? Like one of the questions that um, I actually, it's probably a good time to sort of now, we wanted to, to flip this back on you, right? And, and this is called the World Class Agency Podcast. We wanted to know what world-class conveyancing looks like to you as well, because I think the answer that you may give may highlight a few ways in which conveyances and agents can learn a little bit more about each other. Um, but you can't say it's partnerships yeah. with all solutions because that was your answer to the first question. <laughs> okay, fine. It would be like a need to want that, that would be it. So for example, are you wanting to work together or do you need to work together? That would be one part there. And when I touch on that, I'm, I mean like the elephant in the room when we talk about referral fees. I feel like sometimes people don't want to talk about that, but referral fees is a big, a big one for me. And when I talk about world-class conveyancer, I talk about the fact that, you know, do you have the integration with your estate agent? So do you have an integration with them? 
do you have I know I said can't talk about solutions but do you have you know um where you can train them can you show them how to do it so your point there Sam was you know you need to take a time out of your day to understand what does good look like do you have that available for your estate agent partner so they said right I want to understand do you have that available for them to do so yeah that would be like another point you said an interesting uh, sort of question there of of do conveyances and agents or, or agents and conveyances do they want to work together or do they need to do you think so let's talk about yeah. conveyances for a, for a quick second uh, and then I think Mark yeah. I might ask you the question from an agent perspective because I get to be the weird guy in the middle here who sort of mm -hmm. doesn't get to sit in either camp do you think solicitors understand that they need to work with agents and then Mark do you think agents understand that they need to work with solicitors to actually go and get that that that, that almost solves a few of the problems does it not I um okay so who's answering me or mark you, you go ladies first. first me go first okay so um yes and no um i think it depends if the law firm has a sales department or not not all law firms do you see so most of, most of the time most law firms have it where the lawyer does the quoting um does the pitching in that sense for the client so i think if you have a sales department within your law firm yes because they understand the fact that, you know, a sales mindset is quite different. Um, and therefore, it's making sure that we are tricking that down to our lawyers, too. And the reason why I say that is not to undermine a lawyer um, to say that they're not able to think like that. They definitely are. What you have to remember, though, from a sales perspective is that, and everyone knows this, as a state agent, you're not regulated. There's no rules in that sense. But as a lawyer, there are rules. So the way that their mind's going to be working is in the regulated sense. So therefore, when we talk about the need to work together versus want, I think sometimes it that line gets a little bit blurred because of the fact that our the way that we look at things is different. Right. Well, I so I I think as agents, they know they need yeah. to work with conveyances, but I think agents the, I, I think a massive part of the, the problem is the process right so i think the agents don't want to work with solicitors but part of that is because the process is so so bad so of course estate agents are going to want, want to work with solicitors because ideally completion would happen as it happened in australia sam and it would be two weeks and you know, i suppose you would still need, need to work, work with a, a solicitor but actually the fact that the process takes so long takes the desire away from a from an estate agent because the agent wants to get get the money so i don't know whether it's necessarily a question of, of need versus want i think what estate agents want is to have a really open um partnership where conveyances are proactive and i've seen some stuff on on linkedin that's been going around about this and you know conveyance saying things like oh well, we can't do our work if you chase us and, and things like that so to go back to your point Zanara, i think that actually we do need to understand what conveyances do more. That would really help, you know, understand the process. And as yeah. you say, understand what's in, a, what's in a contract pack, because then actually as agents, we can help. We can help produce that contract pack by taking steps to get our clients ready when they're coming onto the market rather than, rather than post-sale. So I don't think there's a massive desire to work together, but there needs to be a bigger desire to work more effectively together, in my opinion. Yeah, there does. Um, and I think it goes from just understanding the first part of it. So like the first part, regard regardless of which law firm that you need to use, every every law firm needs to have authority to act, right? Yeah. And you'll be so surprised how many estate agents don't help um, a lawyer get that from a client. Mm. Like that's, that's the first part. So when we say about understanding the process, that is key. So coachable, to be able to learn new things and understand the process, both sides. Then you've got the part of saying, well, actually, am I gonna help, am I gonna do that part to allow my um, conveyancer to actually speed up the process? Because everyone moans about pipelines not going through, taking yep. longer, but realistically, what did you do as the estate agent at the beginning to help that move faster? So when was the last time that you chased that um, client to pay their money on account, for example, money on account that needed for upfront fees, searches, etc. Um, now, as a law firm, we will chase that, 100% we chase it, because it goes back to, again, 
as an estate agent, you do not get paid until the end goal. You then need to be working with a conveyancer that's also on that model. Because if they're getting paid up front, your chase, your kind of, you know, carrot in front of it is that that milestone is completely moved. So again, I think it's marrying up the, yeah, what you're both chasing. It, it sounds to me like uh, someone, whether it's a, a world-class estate agent or a world-class massive conveyancing firm could almost uh, put out a little checkbox where it's like, want things yeah. to improve between us? let's do this. And it's like, I'll do this. You do this. Um, because I, I agree with you. I, I go back to my selling days. And um, if I talk about Australia for a second, you meet a solicitor, you send them a contract and there's very other little interaction. And it's kind of like bang, bang over and done with in 30 days in, in the UK. It's like, I need to ring them. Why? Uh, yeah. 100%. And, and I was, it was indoctrinated into me through my um, couple of years in, in doing agency in the UK that you have to chase because they won't do it otherwise. And I'm thinking, then why are they on this panel that you keep saying we have to use? Yeah. What's the point? Yeah, yeah. And, and for me, it would come down to, I'd sit there with the seller that I was representing and the buyer who made an offer. And I'd say, let's all do this together. You've got to get your lawyer organized. You've got to get your lawyer organized. They are the most important people in this process. It's a hard thing for an estate agent to say out loud, but it's true. That's where the real work just, begins, right? I just think, I don't know, I completely agree in the sense of I don't understand if that you're having to constantly make such an effort to get it through and they're not helping you with it, why to keep recommending. But I think, to my, I don't know what it is, maybe they just love the smell of that like law firm and therefore keep going, yeah, keep going back in. But that's, that's a really good point what you just make then Sam, in terms of the money side, because when we look at, you know, world-class conveyancer, for me, someone that I, I personally think is a really good view for this is Peter Ambrose, who works for um, a Partnership. I like his view on this because he states, you know, we're not cheap. We're high standards. Simply conveyancing are not cheap either, by the way. And what happens then is people lower the standard down and they look at things exactly what you said as mm. referral fee rather than client journey. And if I was looking at world-class estate agency as well, one of the ones that I think is a real good champion of this is, is Hunter's Estate Agents because they really champion their client journey and what their each stage of the journey is for their client. How does their solution enable them to make sure that they keep getting that repeat business? So yeah, those when you say about you know money, you're so so right. When um, uh, last year there was there was an estate agent with nicknames. Yeah, you know, um, there was an estate agent that I was introduced to, and about working together, the first question that they asked me was, you know, not what do we offer, not you know when when can we do the training? It's quite unique for us, to, quite unique for law firms to offer an agent training proposition. But the first question that they asked me was, what my referral fee is. <laughs> And for me, straight away, that, that's not that's not world class. That's not the agent that that we would like to partner with, because if you're asking straight away what the referral fee is, like, no wonder why like, we're not getting thing, things through as quickly as we used to, because of the fact that actually we're all setting our standards lower and going for that, you know, not as good solution. I think that's that's a symptom of a wider uh, endemic within the industry of of low fees and having to go and find revenue elsewhere other than your core business. Mm -hmm. um, and we, we talked about this on the show a few weeks ago of like a yeah. an agent's core business. And I think it's really similar for a solicitor, whether it's conveyancing solicitor, maybe diligence is 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 the core product that a conveyancing solicitor is selling. But for an agent, for me, it's trust. And if you're building relationships, your partnerships with all your solutions that you talked about at the start of the show. Yeah. If they're based on, well, how can I earn the most money rather than who's going to do the best job for my client? Then before you've even entered into a transaction, you're getting off on the wrong foot for the third party who, who doesn't know any better. So one, one of the sort of, one of the points that we wanted to ID on this, right, is, is if we can't identify some of the common challenges, the common problems, it's very difficult to then present solutions. And it's interesting you mentioned uh, Peter Ambrose from the partnership. He's he's guest number two next week ah, to talk about yeah. this as well. And I'm sure he'll have a few um, things to say uh, on this topic too. However, yeah, he'll be right too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, everyone yeah. can be right if they believe that they're right, I think. Um, yeah, yeah, 
in terms of let's talk about like the pain points now because we've we've heard and seen like mark mentioned on linkedin there's a bit of back and forth from conveyances and agents talking about i'm right you're wrong you should be better i'm just going to keep doing whatever it is that i'm doing aside yeah. from um the sort of stuff that we talked about before about maybe not understanding the process uh, as such where where do you think it goes wrong between agents and solicitors uh, because if we can we, if we can understand till through those points then maybe we can present some solutions yeah. back as well so um given that we all three of us have been stated or are stated in that sentence is when we start and you know we either go in at entry level or we go in higher up whatever it might be where is the training on conveyancing like where is the understanding of that process yes if you have a sales progressor that's great um very added bonus to your um to your office however where is the training for that part so i would say where we're going wrong at the beginning is the fact that we don't normalize it in the sense of where an estate agent needs to understand it but but at the same time as a conveyancer they also need to understand what an estate agent does so that would be my first part so my solution would be to have it normalized where people go as a business we need to understand conveyancing and as a conveyancer we need to understand an estate agent simple like it, it won't take that it won't take that long to understand both sides the conveyancing process has not changed dramatically um and a state agent really like a state agent process has not changed dramatically either mm. both of them you can learn with no skill set to that just understanding the process and then um sorry to interrupt you mark for a second but outside of understanding that process like what's the next step then so it's all well and good we understand how yeah. to book a podcast guest hopefully make them feel comfortable when they join, start the episode, get through them, but things can still mess up along the way. So where else does it like common ways in which it sort of goes wrong between agents and solicitors? Is that me or Mark? You please. <laughs> oh, sorry. I was waiting for your answer, Mark. I was ready to be that interesting. What are you going to say? <laughs> um, okay, so in terms of what where it goes wrong, where it goes wrong in so let's say the idea is everyone knows what we should be doing but in a real real world you know like you said things do mess up so when things do mess up because even with simply you know we're you know one of the highest rated specialist conveyances google trust pilot and fifo just adding that plug in is the fact that um we will have times where we're not doing a good job you know clients will say that this the estate agent will say this the difference there is the fact that if you are working in partnership together, you then go, right, I know this isn't the norm for you. I know this isn't, this isn't how you work. I know this isn't in your process. So therefore, you're having their back with it. Or and the, the other way around, too. Because what I find that's happened is when things do go wrong, and they will, is that there's this uproar from it. But actually, if you understand that business, you know that's not there like SLA. You know that's not how they work. So you automatically then should go, okay, that's not how they normally do things. Let's resolve this together. So one of the key things that we do at Simply is that we do a touch point halfway through, which is client feedback. Halfway through the transaction, we basically go, how are we doing? Halfway through, how are mm. we doing? Because then that way, it gives us a real good indication, are we doing okay or are we not? Because everyone shouts when something's going wrong people wait until the end um and that's when you thing isn't it where you're eating your dinner and you hate it and the waitress comes over How, how's everything for you guys oh yeah lovely yeah it's great and then actually you, you can't stand it so i think having that part of touching in making sure you're doing a good job but then also having a partnership with your estate agent to know that they understand your process how you do everything like we simply we onboard our agents and we get them to understand each part of our business so then that way they know what the norm is for us so then therefore if something isn't norm like you said then you know a, a law firm saying don't chase me for example mm. if it's where it's not sat within that norm that's when you both can go well, hang on this isn't what you said i want i want to sort of um, come back to and that and that just to um, 
go deeper on that scenario, that comes back to actually sitting down and having the time to spend together so you know what those norms are, doesn't it? And yeah, actually, yeah, actually, yeah. actually to take that time to, to do that training. I want to just come back not, to something. Sorry, not putting that part there, when you said understanding it, if we are really, really honest, I don't think some law firms and estate agents actually do have a process. So when we say understanding processes, it'd be interesting to see for me if they did have a process in place. Mm. That's the scary. That's the scary thing, isn't it? But yeah, I think I, I think I think you're probably right. Hopefully, fewer than um, than the majority, really. But yeah, pot- potentially, yeah. there are there are people working that don't have a process and don't have the norm, and that's when it gets really really challenging because you don't know where where you stand. Um, I want to come back to something mm-hmm. that that Sam mentioned before. If we produce a checklist of right agents, do this conveyances do that let's let's get a few real tangible takeaways for agents on this so what does your perfect estate agent how does your perfect estate agent start the relationship with the client my view i say on all my um advice meetings that when we're meeting clients you know whether you come with us whether you come with anyone else instruct your solicitor now as you're going on to the market yeah do you do your property information do your fixtures and fittings do your id and, and all, all of that. So I'm assuming that that would be one, but it's the three things that you can say to agents. If you do these three things, you will improve your relationship with your solicitor, any solicitor that that might be. Yeah, so I think you're right. Number one is making sure that that seller or buyer is legally prepared, simple. Making sure that they have their client information form and that's for both buyer and seller. Um, making sure that they obviously are aware that not all law firms ask for money um, up front, but most will, because if they don't, then how are they paying for land registry? How are they paying for searches? So yeah, making sure that they are aware that they have to pay for something up front. So setting the basis of knowing that the client has to do these certain things, that's one. Mm. Second thing, I would then be setting the tone on the sense of this is what um, as the estate agent how I'm going to communicate with the conveyancer on this so for example if something happens or you're aware of um let's say the lawyer has said that they're chasing across um the management company for example have you are you already saying that you are going to be helping that conveyancer chase that management company you already know how it is um and then thirdly I would have it to say do you as, as a business, are you seeing it as a KPI? Are you then pushing it to? So is it where that you are seeing it where the client might ask about the conveyancer or is it where that actually, you know, um, you are setting it as a tone to fully understand for me to have control of my pipeline, I need to have control of where my client is going. Therefore, my setting it as a standard within my office that my negotiators, my valuers are all saying the same thing, same hymn sheet. So referral is a KPI or days to completion is a KPI? Um, as in referral. So sending across the clients um, to the solution, whatever that might be. So we've got legally prepared, communicate, yeah. let clients and solicitors know how you will communicate and have referrals as a KPI. Yeah, 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 definitely. Because I think then having that set tone, because if you are letting clients go to whoever you want, whoever they pick, you're not going to have control of your pipeline. Whereas you should already know that standard with the conveyancer on how you should work together. Therefore, having it set as a KPI, you're going to have control of that pipeline. Yeah, no, I really like that. I think... um, we sort of said before we hit record on this that um, what we want to get out of these episodes is pieces of actionable advice that that agents and maybe a few solicitors who are listening to this now uh, can take away from this and actually implement. And and that is exactly that there. Like Mark, we've talked about this. I, I, I couldn't count on both hands how many times we talked about sitting in an evaluation and saying to somebody, regardless of what you do, this is the best advice that I'm going to give you today. Pick a solicitor, yeah. a good one. Yeah. Right? and start with them today, make sure you're ready to go. Because if you get an offer tomorrow or you get an offer in a month, it's going to save you three months by being prepared today. Make sure, and everybody that we bring through as a buyer, regardless of whether they make you a competitive offer or not, we're going to have the same, we're going to offer them the same advice too, because 
it is best practice. And I think if you're listening to this from an agency side of things, start doing that today because it's going to win yeah. you more instructions for starters and it's going to help you produce more compelling offers and you're going to get paid far, far sooner. And you're probably going to piss less solicitors off along the way as well. That's the thing, like be the expert. You as the estate agent are the expert in that room, not the clients. Hmm. And you need to be championing the fact that for this to go as quickly and smoothly as possible, doing things up front will save yourself a lot of time. And your conveyancer is not going to be chasing that. That's key. They're not going to be, they will. Some conveyances will chase for client information form, property information form, but not all. So if you set the tone there and then to say, this is what you need to do for your client um, as speaking to your clients, then you will save time, 100%. The other key thing that you, you spoke about then, Sam, in terms of from a vendor perspective is they don't know what they don't know. So for example, if they think that their property is absolutely great, they have no idea that there might be an issue there. And the only way that you'll find that out is starting the conveyancing process before there's a buyer. So that's really key. And as the estate agent, you wouldn't know that either. So um, going in with that attitude to your um, valuations is going to show them that actually you're very serious about caring for their property and, and their move. Um, so yeah, that would be one of the ones talking about Sarah Reddy, definitely. Cool. Well, I think, um, I, I don't know whether we've completely ended the cold war between uh, estate agents and sources yeah, um, with, we've with one conversation, but it was, it was a really solid place to start. And I think we have not just covered off a few things as to why perhaps things go wrong, but we've presented a few solutions as to how they can get better literally within five minutes of you finishing this podcast and actually taking a bit of action as well. So Zanara, thank you. Uh, for giving us uh, your early Tuesday morning, for giving us your time and, and for everything that you've uh, given the listeners today. It's been lovely to talk to you. Thank you. No, thank you for having me. I think the main thing from my side is understanding the process, having integration, working in partnership together, and also kind of holding, holding yourself accountable to say, am I coachable? Thank you. Must thank you to Zanara. Henry Dark from Simply Convincing for joining us today. Sam, it was something we've been talking about an awful lot. Um, we wanted mm. some, we wanted some key takeaways for agents um, that they can go and implement to improve. You know, talk of the Cold War and all, all of that is is kind of had had ball a little bit. But ultimately, as agents, we want to improve the process of getting paid faster. But not only that, when we sat down with our business coach and, and talked about this, we actually also had to take some responsibility because it's not only about money; it's actually about client experience. And what we're motivated to do is get people to move on to the next chapter of their life. And we had too many people stuck, not being able to, to move on. So actually, I think as agents, we have to look at this as not just a conveyancing problem, but actually, you know, our problem as well. And I think the three points that Zanara talked about at the end, I'd be really interested to go deeper on, because if we as agents all take those three points on board, we'll move the needle a hell of a lot to getting people to move on to the next chapter of their life easier. And then in turn, that leads to us getting paid faster. I, I think you've hit the nail on the head and, and Zanara did the same thing. Like it's not a incredibly complicated problem, uh, nor is it an incredibly complicated solution, uh, yeah. but there's got to be a desire to make that happen. And right now, why we decided to have a few of these conversations over the next few weeks was because you can just see people arguing their point mm -hmm. online and wanting everyone else but them to change. And I think what we've identified even in just a half an hour today is that um, there needs to be, it's a bit like what Buddy Trump said once, right? There's good people on both sides, <laughs> but there needs to be movement uh, yeah. and concession uh, and a bit of humility on both sides as well, because if you can understand each other better, then chances are that the animosity goes away and the client probably feels that as well. You know, we said something uh, as we'd stopped recording, I, I'm 99% sure, even though it was only about four minutes ago, where uh, you've got agents who are reluctant. So you've been doing this for a really long time. Your mum was a convincing solicitor as well. Yeah. So you have a real solid understanding of that process and you have a real understanding of how important it is to get stuff happening faster and earlier. 
And there's going to be agents who are listening to this show and there's plenty of agents who don't, that won't have a conversation about solicitors till the memos have gone out yeah, or till they're about to go out. And they're like, who are you going to use? Cause I can't actually send them until they go out. And it, the, the question that I sort of posed back to Zanara when she was saying like, we, we have these conversations with some agents and there are times where they, they don't want to change. They don't want to listen. They'll just keep doing it their way, but they'll use us or they'll, they'll put us in their panel of agents for whatever reason. And I said to her, why don't you say something along the lines of, do you want to get paid six or seven weeks sooner for every mm-hmm. transaction? Let alone, do you want to get instructed on more properties because you're giving really solid advice? You know, this isn't a silver bullet that it's not a, a crazy marketing expense. It's nothing else. It's offering really professional service from mm-hmm. moment one. And the other, the other thing as well with this is it's not only get paid six or seven weeks sooner, but actually is get paid more often because everybody knows the longer it goes on, the more likely it is to fall through because Mm. that level of trust is never as high as it is on offer acceptance day. And by completion day, the trust, there's a curve. It goes at the top on offer accepted to the bottom on completion day and and beyond. And the the longer that process takes, the, the, lower the levels of trust between buyer and seller goes. That means the the chances of fall through are higher. So I feel really strongly that actually, not only do you want to get paid quicker, but you also want to compress that transaction quicker because you're more likely to get paid. Um, mm. But I actually think Zanara's answer to world, world-class agency, it, it's very related to conveyancing, but you can, you can take it across a, a lot of agency, but actually willing to be coachable. And then you talked about there, understanding the process. You've got to be willing as an agent. If you don't know the process, learn it. Get, mm. your, get your solicitor that you work with to coach you on it. Because actually, I think that would, as she quite rightly said, help understanding to then resolve the problems that are existing. And, you know, I, I don't for one minute think conveyances are not at fault. And the same way, agents are probably at fault a little bit as well, um, or more, more than a little bit, probably. But we've got to work together to resolve it because we don't want more transactions to fall through and we want to be able to give a better level of service to our clients. For me, it comes down to setting expectations as, as early as possible about engagement and communication. Mm-hmm. So I, I like work with a couple of really good solicitors in London and I would say to them, like, if we can set up these milestones, so if you can just tell me when things are happening, then I'll never chase you. And they would say like, that's not really typically what we would do. And I would say, okay, great. How about every Thursday afternoon, I send you an email with everything that I expect to be updated and you reply with a Y or an N yeah. next to it. So it's everything in the process, right? Uh, what are we talking about? Like authority act signed. Is there payment on account? Have searches been ordered? Have they come back? Have inquiries been raised? Have inquiries been answered? Have secondary inquiries been raised? Have we got all our searches back? So you're sending that and all they have to do is go, yes, 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 no, no, no. Yeah. Instead of replying to an email. And that actually helped. Yeah. But again, it, I, I raised that sort of question on the call of like, why are they on the panel if they're unwilling to sort of work like that? And there's great technology out there as well that links them all up. And when things happen, it ticks the box automatically, but that's not operational for every solicitor. So you've still got to work on what your sort of best practices looks like as well. And actually, I think a lot of it then comes down to also making sure that you know who the best solicitors are, not just in your local area, but who the best national solicitors are as well. So my my suggestion to anybody who's listening to this, who wants to get paid sooner and get paid more often, right? let's keep drumming in that message because that's realistically, that's the end goal and that's the benefit from improving the agent-solicitor relationship. Yeah, Go and meet every single local solicitor. Invest time in them so that they will want to invest time back on you. Understand their process, like Zanara was saying, like we've discussed as well, but but figure out, are they somebody that is going to reflect well when you refer them at the end of the day? Because you want to have the utmost confidence. I remember when we bought this place, I used a solicitor that I used to refer people all the time to. There you go. And How many years ago was that? That was seven years ago, yeah. right? He works at a different firm now, but he's the same guy but I didn't have the best experience oh. and I was really like, I mean, nothing went wrong whatsoever, but in my head, I had always built 
him and uh, maybe it was it was the people he used to work with rather than now but i built them up to be like i would be constantly communicating constantly giving updates and i found myself chasing and because i had expectations up at mount everest it felt disappointing even though absolutely nothing went wrong and at, well in fact everything went right it still didn't feel like that uh, because i had a mismatch of expectations now that was on me and i think you've got to understand what you can expect from everybody you're going to be offering your clients to or if you're not offering but they use them anyway you've got to know what you can expect yeah do i need to chase do i not need to chase and if they're not the one that you've referred then you go back to your client whether it's the buyer or the seller and you say great i've got a lot of experience with terry they're not great at keeping me updated and what that means is that there could then be a lot of uh, angst or anxiety or animosity coming from my side that I'm going to have to handle. So can we all agree to make this the best transaction we've ever done together by doing this, 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 and this? And can you speak to Terry, your solicitor, about that? Yeah, because actually you've raised a really good point there about mismatching expectations. So, and I think if you give a really good level of customer service and you're recommending solicitors and their customer service isn't as good as yours, because you know diff- different jobs fair enough um different different roles do things differently but if their customer service isn't as good as yours and you're recommending them your client expects their customer service to be on a par with you and we had it recently actually um where we got a one star review on completion uh one star google review on completion from a client and they was hurt don't they uh, we were away actually but um and it was one of rachel's cases and she said well she gave us a five-star review offer accepted. So she gave us a five-star review offer accepted. We recommended the solicitors. It was then a complicated title with complications of management charges, blah, blah, went on and on and on. And we performed miracles, in my opinion, to actually save the transaction. But we came out of it. We got all the blame, apparently. And so I ended up with a one-star review. Whereas actually, it was probably the solicitor that was at fault for not communicating properly with, with their client. So... That's a really good example of where you've got to set the expectations and you've got to have solicitors that marry up to your customer service. And if they're not, you, you need to say to your clients, well, look, you know, almost, and we've said it at times, these are the best of a bad bunch at the moment. And I mm-hmm. think the clients have also got to take a proactive approach. That's what I always say to, to my clients. Take a proactive approach to your solicitor. You're paying them. We will chase them, of course, but you're going to have much more... Um, much greater results because at the end of the day you're you're paying paying them and as much as we might like to think that they'll just get on and do it you know you've actually got to make sure that you're on top of them and that you're at the top of the pile unfortunately but maybe i should worst case you can do well that comes back to that point of uh that zanara made through about if you're at a restaurant uh, and someone asks you how the food is if it's not great you just say it's great you smile and greet you move on because it's easy and having that awkward conversation and the reason why I think, so I've, I've been in this exact situation where I've said to people, you got to chase them. I've had experience with these guys in the past before. We're going to be here a long time. You've got to be on them all the time so that they might reply to you saying, yep, they're doing it. And you've got to make sure that's actually being done. And yeah. it's not an email. You've got to pick up the telephone. And people are actually hesitant to do that. Yeah, they are. Because no, no one likes, no one likes even, even the, exactly. And they, they don't even like the feeling of confrontation, let alone actual confrontation. Uh, so what I used to say is, or in writing to your solicitor, give me authority to do all the chasing. Because then the solicitor knows that I'm not coming for them, uh, but I'm <laughs> that I'm going to be diligent in my follow-up to make sure that everything goes forward as fast as is possible and nothing sort of gets delayed or anything like that. Now, people are happy to do that at the start as well, because like you said, trust the agent is high. They want everything to go forward really quickly. And if you've said to them, I can help that, but I need to make sure that everything, everyone's doing what they say they're going to be doing. And if you're too busy or uncomfortable doing it, give me the authority to do it in writing to your solicitor, where we go. And that's also worked really well because, you know, there are going to be agents listening to this who are wearing many hats, still mm-hmm. operating in an incredibly busy market. And they're thinking the last thing I want to do is spend three and a half hours of my day a week, like chasing solicitors. Um, and I don't want to then have to be giving my vendor updates to go and chase this list as well. So how do I get around this? And it's, it starts with setting those expectations and milestones early, making it really simple for the agent to respond 
uh, for the conveyancer, sorry, to respond. It's very interesting, this conversation. I've always had to like think about who am I talking about and what am I saying just to make yeah. sure and uh, lost myself there. So apologies for that, everybody. Um, because I think if, if you can do all that, you know, it does start to solve problems and maybe, just maybe, everyone can start to cooperate a little bit better and everybody starts seeing the, the fruits of that labor pretty quickly, I reckon. No, I, I, I completely agree. And just before, just before we go, I just want to just rerun through those three points mm. um, that Zanara made right at the end. Because interesting, we've had a real focus on this in the last six weeks because it was causing us real serious problems. You know, we've got a fantastic, mm. we've got a fantastic pipeline. Can we get any money out of it? Absolutely not. You know, it's, it's, and I know that there are a lot of agents because I speak to a lot of agents that are in this exact, um, exact position. So uh, seller and buyer legally prepared. Um, my view on that is you need to sit down with them to help them do that as well. So I always say it at um, valuation stage and then when they come on the market, we actually need to be more proactive. And we're good at saying it, evaluation stage, not very good at actually doing it when they when they come onto the market because you get busy and you're trying to sell the house, not sort out the legals, but actually I'm going to have to get more intentional about sitting down with them and getting their information form, telling them to pay the, the money up front. The other thing mm. that the agents need to do if they aren't doing as part of that is get the land registry details. So Nara talked about it. Um, we had a money laundering visit few years ago and we were getting the title deeds and they suggested um that we got the title plan as well which we were doing on one side of the business but not on the other so title deeds title plan and send send them out to the solicitor with your um sales memos you know mm. um why not if you've got it you know make sure that the, make sure that it is it is right so you can do part of that job but you've got to understand it to know what you need to need to do there so that's the first thing this is how i'll communicate dead straightforward i think you know um, will really help with, with clients. And then the KPI one was really interesting because we've just discussed putting days to completion as a KPI on our, um, on our form at the moment. So I don't think just having referral as a KPI, but I think that's a good one, have referrals as a KPI, but also days to completion, and then you can, you can, you can monitor it. And I think those three things are really actionable that you can take away and you can implement them into your business today straight away and it will make a massive difference 100 percent. well said on that note i think we should wrap up a massive thank you once again um to zanara as I said this is the first in our series of something that i think is really important to to try and get right mm. as you know um we do this because we love our industry we want to see it get better if you have enjoyed today's episode please share it um out on social media reach out to zanara share it with colleagues i'm Matt oral he's sam hunter i will try and get this as the right podcast this week after last week's <laughs> mistake. And we will see you again next week.